Navigating the Datascape with Warner Chavez and special guests. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Datascape podcast. Today, we are going to cover all the major announcements from the very first Open AI Dev Day. And joining me today, I have Sandeep Aurora. How are you, Sandeep? I'm good, Warner. How are you doing? Great, great. It's good to have you back here. If for people that are not familiar with Sandeep, Sandeep is a colleague here at Pythian, who is a solutions architect and just as passionate as I am about artificial intelligence. So um, initial thoughts, Sandeep, uh, surprised, not surprised. What do you think about the Dev Day general? Yeah, I think it was a it was a pretty good event, actually. A couple of big things that's coming out is uh, the price. Uh, I thought that GPT-4 was actually pretty expensive. The number of tokens is pro processed and the cost, it was pretty expensive. So they have uh, done a significantly significant improvement in terms of cost, which I think is going to be, you know, useful because more people can actually use it with a lesser cost, right? And obviously, uh, the other major announcement, like I was... I when I use the platform, I was sick of getting the notification that the data set is old to something two twenty one, and and you know it could always uh, uh, give that uh, notification. Which again, it will, but uh, now it will only do that till April twenty twenty three. So yeah, I'm pretty happy about most of the announcements, right? Uh, and again, we'll go through all of them one by one uh, and uh, explore uh, what is you know in there. So yeah. yeah. All right, so this is a really good point to get going. So a lot of announcements have been made in terms of the improvements to GPT-4. For people that are not aware, GPT-4 is the latest version that is available by OpenAI for their GPT foundational model and has now been uh, upgraded to GPT-4 Turbo. There's a couple of big announcements here for GPT-4 Turbo. First one is the one Sandeep just mentioned, is that the knowledge cutoff for this model is now April 2023. Previously, it was September, I believe September 2021, right? And yep. and so we were working with a model that the general knowledge of the world was still a couple of years uh, behind. So now it's been brought up much more closer to right now. And the model as well, as Sam Alman on the conference in the keynote, he said that they will try to never let it get um, older than what it is today. So that's something interesting. They're probably going to continuously uh, try to keep the model up to date um, in terms of the knowledge cutoff. Then the other big one here, obviously, I want to get your thoughts on this usefulness and deep is that it has been increased dramatically the size of the context of GPT-4 yep. Turbo. Maybe if you can give just a quick explanation of what it means, the size of the context, and why uh, the 128,000 tokens context is a big deal. So so let's take an example here to explain that. So earlier, the context was somewhere around 8K, right? So that would mean that, again, I'm not trying to do the math here, but uh, I think you could take in a text worth of 6K words together, feed it into GPT, and get a summary. So the earlier if I have an ebook, if I have to get a summary out of it, I would have to feed it. So in, in my code, I would have to break that ebook into multiple different, you know, sections yeah, chunks. of around chunks of around 6K and then feed it to GPT and then, you know, get a summary out of it. Uh, now what they've done is that they have updated the context to 128K, which they're calling it around 300 pages, 
right? Uh, so instead of breaking a 300 page ebook into, I don't know, maybe 300 different copies, depending upon how many lines are there in my uh, single page of an ebook, I could just feed that entire ebook in one go. Mm-hmm. And it would just process the entire summary and give me the summary that I'm looking for. So that is what means when they say that they have increased the context to 120k, 28k. Yeah, and and this I think is also is uh, was one of the big differentiators of Claude too. Claude too, for people that are not, might not be aware, is the foundational model from Anthropic. Anthropic being an open AI competitor that has received recently investments from both Amazon and Google. Whereas uh, OpenAI continues to partner exclusively with Microsoft. And we even had the cameo in the keynote of the OpenAI dev day. Satya Nadella actually uh, came on stage for just like three minutes uh, to just uh, again show uh, his support for OpenAI and their partnership. And, and so I think there was some competitive pressure there, which is good, right? We want to see competition here. And so Claude to support 100K, I believe. 100k tokens of context so this definitely put uh probably some pressure on the open ai team to increase the context of gpt4 turbo now to 128k so this is very interesting so your points we have a closer knowledge cutoff we have a much larger context we have a model that is supposedly faster just uh, faster to give you answers so inference is running faster now as well and we have uh, a significant reduction. Apparently, OpenAI estimates about 2x cheaper price compared to uh, GPT-4 for output tokens and 3x cheaper for input tokens. So uh, big, big improvements here for GPT-4 Turbo. I have also heard some people that were kind of disappointed that we didn't hear about something more revolutionary. But I think people need to tamper their expectations as well as to how this is going to continue to evolve and it's not going to be, you know, another giant leap. Most likely, we'll continue to see small incremental improvements over time. All right, let's move on to another one. Maybe you can explain to us in deep. Some of these are uh, really interesting and cool, more like developer updates. We got updates for function calling, JSON mode as well. So improvements in structured output. Maybe walk us through these and what what do they enable? What can we do with those? The first one is uh, the functional calling updates. Uh, so that's what they're calling it. Uh, so I'm not sure if you've, if you've used GPT-4, uh, you would know that you could call function previously as well. Like you could call an external API to do something, right? But the main problem with, with that was that it had errors, right? And you could only you know send a certain number of arguments, call just one function, right? And it was not very effective. So what they've done is that they have made improvements to that. So now you could call multiple functions and request multiple actions with a single message. For example, like, you know, open a car and turn off the AC. So, so you see like earlier, you could only do maybe open a car window, that's it. But now you could within a single line do two actions simultaneously, which is turn on the AC for the car and also open the car window so that back and forth communication model between external APIs or external, you know, models has improved significantly, right? Which is going to make, you know, which is going to reduce error, increase the reliability for automating tasks uh, with your existing models. So that's uh, what that update is all about. Any comments there, Warner? Something I Yeah, no, I I think there's a couple of very important things. So to your point, now we have the ability to do more than one 
function in the output, right? So that's very important. It just enables more complex um, integrations, right? Previously, you would have to do two trips, you know, ask, okay, did you turn on the car to your example? Okay, now the, the turn off the AC kind of thing, right? So multiple times you have to go back and forth. Now you can request that type of functionality with one call to the API and get multiple functions out. So you'll be able to be more efficient and you'll be able to develop more complex integrations, I believe, using this. And um, yeah, it just opens up the possibilities again, which I think we're gonna cover later as well, into what GPT will be able to do in terms of working as an autonomous agent, right? Being able to just call other things to do um, things uh, in, on behalf of GPT, right? The other one being, you know, they have uh, improved instruction following the JSON mode, right? So if you have ever done like a program specifically with a GPT model, like B3.5, 4, whatever it is, right? So you could now add an initial, an additional formatting parameter, response underscore format, where what you could do is you can provide a input, uh, which is going to be like a JSON format, right? And what's going to do is that it is going to generate the output in in the way that you're looking for specifically right so that has been a additional uh, improvement that they have done on on adding a new uh, api parameter that you can add to your code yeah and this is a good improvement for quality of life for developers too because um you could ask gpt before by the way to people that are listening it's not that they couldn't do this before you could ask to say hey i want the output to be xml i want the output to be json but sometimes the model just didn't do it, right? Because again, the model doesn't work 100% deterministically. Sometimes it would decide to um, just print something slightly different or it would print it, but it would be invalid, right? So they've done quite a lot of work to make sure that when you request a specific format and there's even an actual parameter now that you can pass into the API to reinforce that you want a particular format and they've done a lot of work to make sure that the model will actually respect that instruction, right? That you will get the output that you're looking for. And instead of just you requested the output that you're looking for, but again, because of the way that the model works and not being deterministic, then sometimes it would just not give you the actual output that you requested, right? So that's an interesting one. And then the other interesting one, I also, uh, uh, this one wasn't a big thing in the Dev Day announcement, but I thought it was very interesting because again, it shows how now we're moving towards making these models more production ready, right? And more being able to be explainable, to be debuggable. So they added this new seed parameter to try to create reproducible outputs. So if you specify an input to the conversation and the same seed, it is supposed to make the model return the same thing. It says, documentation says most of the time. So we don't know exactly what that most of the time means, but I'm assuming that, you know, the vast majority of cases, it will return the same output. And I think this was very clearly a, a piece that was somewhat missing for testing of GPT, which is a lot, it's something that, you know, people think about it, you know, they think we just deploy these models and that's it. But there's a big gap here still in terms of how do we test these models before we put them in production, right? Yep. I, I, and, and here's the problem, like what they're trying to solve is that when you get outputs out of AI, 
right? You'll get random output every time, right? Like there are parameter tuning that you could do to get like the best output that you're looking for, but the output should be different. And, and to your point, how does it help developers in terms of testing? Like specific use cases, debugging. Developers can replay the same request to pinpoint, you know, specific issues. Unit testing, ensuring that changes in the code do not unexpectedly alter the behavior of AI model integrations, for example, right? Control over model behavior. Having predictable outputs can be critical in application consistency in response to a specific key, et cetera. So this, you know, significantly helps developers to, you know, write code, have reproducible unit tests, helps with debugging, et cetera. Uh, which is why, you know, to your point, it is now becoming more production ready. Uh, so, yeah, definitely yeah. not significant, but a, I would say like a specific announcement to help uh, developers productionize their models. Yeah, yeah. I and I believe we're going to continue seeing improvements from OpenAI in this space. Small quality, quality of life incremental improvements to features that are important not for the end user of GPTs, but for the developers of solutions that are using uh, GPT under the hood, right? Um, something very important as well is that the previous version, GPT 3.5 Turbo, is not abandoned. It is not deprecated. It is still significantly cheaper than GPT 4 Turbo. <laughs> And they are doing some incremental updates to that as well. So now we have a new version of GPT 3.5 Turbo that can support a bigger 16K context window. It also has the improved uh, in JSON mode. It also has the improved parallel uh, function calling. So um, there will be a new internal version of this GPT 3.5 Turbo that will be available in the API as well and if you're just using the general name of gpt 3.5 turbo in the api it will start using this latest version um next month as well right so uh, this is good obviously to show that gpt 3.5 is not being abandoned and i, I want to get your thoughts here because i feel like people always just want to jump to the latest and greatest but gpt4 is still more expensive and there's a lot of very simple use cases that gpt 3.5 can solve really well yes so gpt 4 is a whole new model so if you if you look at like when OpenAI announced gpt 4 it is a whole new model of what they're trying to do and to your point not everything has to be solved by latest and greatest so I have had some implementations where, you know, 3.5 actually does pretty good job at generating what is required. And it is a lot cheaper in that case, right? So, I mean, you don't have to always go to latest and greatest, right? If something else does the job. Uh, the, the, I think one of the things that OpenAI has to solve at some point is that 3.5 needs to have the latest training set as well. Like it cannot, I mean, that that old September 2021 restriction has to go at some point and they have to bring in, like if they if they want to support two different models, like GPT-4 and GPT-3.5, right? If, if they want to replace it, that's, that's a whole story altogether. But, you know, but if 3.5 has to stay, they have to bring its data set to the latest and the greatest uh, at some point, right? 
but yeah, I mean, three point five. I've used it uh, mostly, and because it's obviously cheaper, uh, and it does a pretty good job most of the time, right? So yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good point. So the knowledge cutoff of three point five is still um, two thousand twenty one, right? So yep. the the closer knowledge cutoff was only announced for uh, for Turbo then, right? So yeah, that's a, that's definitely a big. Um, big difference if 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 you need that out of the model right if you're really relying on the model to use some actual knowledge of the of the world that is 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 has been impacted in the last couple of years right but again depending on your use case that may not be the case all right another big one i i guess this is probably the biggest one the biggest announcement of the show is the new assistance api so this is a brand new api built 100% on purpose to build agent-like experiences using GPT models, right? So this particular assistant API will allow you to set specific instructions, will allow you to give it uh, documents for retrieval, for uh, added context, and uh, just like, you know, the other uh, GPT models, it can also call um, different models or tools to do more actions downstream as well. So using other uh, integrations as well. And then it also allows you to do something very, very interesting that will allow you to do as well, is that it can run the code interpreter. So this writes and runs Python code internally, and you can use it to analyze data or generate visuals or charts, process files to do something and generate an output file, depending on what you ask GPT to do and so on right so this this really opens the door to um a lot of new use cases right and this api as well introduces persistent conversations right so you don't have to uh, build that into your application anymore if you want to use the assistant api the assistant api will actually remember the conversations that already happened against this particular um, assistant that you are uh, using. So thoughts here, Sandeep, what do you think is gonna happen with the assistant API in terms of adoption? Do you see it as being a big differentiator? Is it a, you know, is it not significant? Maybe it's just, you know, another layer on top of what we already have. Like, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's an enabler for creativity and efficiency with a lot of effort for the developers specifically in this case, right? But I want to add off, add on like what you mentioned, a couple of more things, right? So the assistant APIs, I mean, some something that's I'm always, always very curious, I mean, very particular about specifically with OpenAI is, so the assistant API will also include two things. It will include, number one is data protection, which means that it's OpenAI's commitment towards privacy because, you know, one of the main, doubts that people have is that if we were to feed our own data to OpenAI, will they use it to train our model and would that data be shown in some other chat window whenever someone else is interacting uh, uh, with GPT and having the same use case. So one thing that they're committing to is privacy, which means that the data that you pass to the API for the model training is only restricted to you and they would in this case make sure that it's private and it would not be shown to others and they would not use it to train their data sets. That is definitely one of them. And the other one is the function calling, uh, you know, uh, feasibility that you can now call upon and execute functions based on your definitions, weaving the responses uh, uh, into the dialogue. 
So that is also another another functionality that they have added on to the assistant API. I think it's a game changer, to be honest. Honestly, like you know, you asked, you were asking about like how do you see developers using this? I think they have already, you know, asked developers to apply for the beta, which is I think they should be able to use the beta features to you know get invite or is it invite based or I think it's accessible already. Haven't haven't really tried it, but you could be in the assistance playground, play with it, and you know, craft your high quality AI assistance, you know, and and play I around. Think, with I it. think I saw a basic. Well, the the so the people that are listening, the dev day happened uh, forty eight hours ago from the time that Sandeep and I are recording this, and I saw on Twitter or X, you might want to call it, that uh, yeah, some people already have access to it, um, oh, okay. but uh, a lot of people are saying that it is still seems to be uh, dependent. So they're rolling it out slowly to people. And also it seems to have, um, you know, s different levels and limitations of things that you can do and rates of calling that you can do for now that uh, they, they are probably gonna be tweaking as they keep onboarding more people into it. For example, uh, uh, something that is not front and center in the announcements, but I found out by going through the documentation after I, I saw some comments online is that the agents, um, in terms of uh, external context retrieval, you can give it up to 20 files for external context, and each file has to be a max of 512 megs. So it's about 10 gigs max that you can give in terms of uh, external data to the assistant to let's say consume or create its knowledge base um, for whatever the use case might be that you're using so for the people that were thinking oh well this is going to replace something like oh a gpt that will be able to crawl and talk about my entire sharepoint state in my company is not is not really there not yet um, something else that i saw online as well is the cost of the storage so these 10 gigs per assistant it is significantly, and if people are expecting, you know, cloud storage cost, then they're going to be um, very surprised. Some people were comparing it to S3 storage cost, which I, I don't think is a fair comparison, but uh, but it, it's, you know, it's like a couple of orders of magnitude more expensive than just storing data on S3, right? But that's because it's not just a static uh, bucket that they're dumping the data on right behind the scenes they are indexing the data they're vectorizing it they have a vector database to be able to do the uh, retrieval augmented generation from the documents that you upload right so there's you're basically paying from for some memory and some compute to enrich the context right and then they announced the feature that they were going to take this assistance api to develop the new GPT's marketplace. You see that one, Sandeep? What do you think about that? Is it gimmick? Will it be useful? Do you think it'll take off? Oh, I mean, the marketplace thing is always like, uh, I, I don't know, like uh, if it is gonna be, so so when I whenever I see a marketplace, there are two things that come, come, comes out of it. Number one is for community to share. Right, uh, and the problems that happens with that is the security issues, of course. Like you can't just trust and use something. The other thing is that trustable models or or trustable products that get published that you can use just use out of the box, right? 
so it, it is obviously an opportunity to see you know what gets published what can you trust what can you use which will help grow the platform uh, in terms of things that are not supported out of the box so i i think it's relatively very new but the whole idea of marketplace if, if it is actually adopted as a marketplace uh, there is a lot of uh, benefit uh, in terms of uh, what end users would probably see uh, so you could probably see integrations with external products or apis that will help you not reinventing the wheel you could just call an external function to call an external api to do stuff easily rather than having to reinvent the entire wheel so it should be good uh, depending upon the participation that happens in terms of publishing to the marketplace yeah, I see. I see this kind of like the, this idea that GPTs is gonna take over the idea of the plugins, most likely, right? So we'll yep. start seeing uh, GPT. I don't know. Let's say a GPT for Slack, a GPT for GitHub, a GPT for um, you know, like I said, SharePoint Online, a GPT for any any other one, Salesforce GPT, and so on, right? So we'll probably see a um, an ecosystem start to come out of all these different assistants that are not like specialized in one particular uh, domain right instead of trying to get gpt4 the foundational model to be the uh, you know like all knowing about everything right which is obviously is pretty hard to do all right and then we do have some interesting improvements in the api these are things that the users of ChatGPT might be used to, but that were not yet available in the API. And once again, these open new um, avenues and use cases uh, through the API for developers, right? So we have GPT for Turbo now with Vision that you can get through the API. We have DALI 3, the new version of the image generator um, that you can get through the API as well. And another really cool one is that now they have a text-to-speech model through the API as well. So you can pick from six, I believe it's six different voices, and then feed it the text, and then their model will create a audio recording of their, the voice that you pick to um, basically narrate the text that you send in so these are all pretty cool i think they also another one that was uh, part of the show they mentioned they have a new version of their uh transcribing model so this not this one is not text to speech it's the other way it's audio to text that is called whisper and the latest version of this whisper model as well this whisper in particular is very interesting because whisper is an open source model from open ai there's this one you can actually go on um, GitHub and, and uh, you can download all the code that they used and the data set that they used to train uh, Whisper. So I thought that that was pretty neat as well. Have you used some of this stuff, the GPT-4 with Vision, the DALI? What are your thoughts on some of these and some of these other so, more like multimodal developments? Yeah, I wanna I wanna say I wanna reiterate what you mentioned earlier. So if you have used GPT four in the portal, you probably would have already been able to analyze images in there, right? This release is specifically if you're using the GPT model, the GPT four Turbo API. So that functionality was no longer available if you were just using the API. That has been an extension where it has been integrated with the Vision API. What you could do is you could feed it in an image and 
this is where I used it very recently, and it's pretty good actually. So I had a so a client provided me with a design diagram for their new uh, mobile infrastructure, API-based, microservices-based infrastructure that they were trying to implement, right? And I had to create a summary for it, right? And the, the architecture was pretty generic. Uh, you know, uh, it seemed something that I've seen in multiple places uh, across online as well, right? Uh, so what I, and I wanted to summarize it, like I wanted specific tests to summarize the whole thing. So what I ended up doing, rather than writing everything from scratch, I pushed it to GPT-4, and this is a couple of weeks back. So I pushed it to GPT-4, uh, and not the API, but uh, to the portal, and it generated the entire summary. And it gave it more prompt to what I needed, like I wanted some information in terms of like, is it microservices based, or is it, you know, um, is it a monolith? I created more prompts, et cetera, and got the exact structure definition that I needed for the uh, the, the document that I needed. So yeah, I mean, it is pretty good. The only problem that I had was that I couldn't use this. What I what I did with with the with the online portal, I couldn't use it iteratively to other designs that I had. I was thinking it would be cool if I could just write a program. That would, you know, take a look at all the other designs and spit out these documents specifically uh, in the downloads folders, and then I can, you know, maybe take a look at them later. Right? Yeah, again, I mean, you can do, do that, right? You just gotta roll your sleeves up and uh, ask GPT to write you a Python uh, script to do that. Yeah. Now, <laughs> right? Now, yeah. now, exactly. Now you could do that. Now you can because now you have the API. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Now you can just call the API and tell it like I have these five images in this folder. Pick those up, generate the documents, and and be done with it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's a pretty good use case. In fact, specifically for tech tech folks, you and me specifically, we we do this a lot. Like we review architecture diagrams, right? I would and and we have to sometimes summarize them as well. And 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 I'll be honest with you. I was pretty impressed with the summary that it generated. So yeah, definitely a good use case in that. I, case. I have to I have to try out some of the plugins. I was talking about this with somebody about how we do so much diagramming and it is still so painful. at least for me. I, I find it very painful to use most diagramming tools. I don't care if it's Visio, if it's Lucid Chart or any of them, and I find them all extremely painful to use. And it would be so nice if I can just describe what i want to do and just have the uh, maybe like a plugin or something i have to do some research because i imagine somebody must have already been working on something like this uh, where i can just describe with uh, natural language what i want to happen to the diagram and have it just happen automatically right there, there might be a plugin out there i have to i have to look into it um well, that's what the DALI API is all about. Like, I don't know if it would be able to produce, like, you know, diagrams for you, architecture diagrams, but that's what it does. You provide yeah, it generates context. images, but I don't, I don't think it's, it's to that level, yeah, of precision, right? Yeah. Diagramming, I would see it mostly like a plugin that maybe takes like a structured output from GPT and then translates that something in like a diagram right like you know gpt would say okay now this box with this text because this is something else that uh, the uh, diffusion image diffusion models uh, struggle with is the uh, the text sometimes the text output is not as good even though dali 3 is a big leap i don't know if, if anybody listening to this has ever used dali 2 
you probably know that the output, the images generated by DALI 2 are not the prettiest ones in the world. Um, whereas DALI 3 is a big, big difference compared to DALI 2. And something else that DALI 3 has, very, very, very big difference to the open source stable diffusion is that you can really give it detailed um, instructions of the composition of the image and it will follow them really well. So you can say, you know, I want to see a polar bear riding a bull with a, an orange backpack and a blue hat and it will actually, you know, follow every single one of those bits that you requested from the image. Whereas something else, like for example, the state of the art in the open source community is Stable Diffusion Excel. Stable Diffusion Excel would still struggle to create an image like that, that is very detailed with, uh, you know, a very specific composition. Um, it will, you know, it might make the polar bear orange because you said orange backpack and things like this, right? So this is what a part or, or a piece of the solution where DALI 3 really shines. It really follows instructions and composition um, extremely well, right? I also want to talk about the text-to-speech one as well, the DTS oh, go one. for it, go for it. So, yeah. I, so here's an interesting thing. Like, you know, I know we're having this this discussion between ourselves, right? Uh, but what we could have actually done is, like, you mentioned that there are six different uh, presets voices that you different can voices, use, right? Yeah. yeah. We could have picked one for you, one for me, ask CPD4 to generate the script for the podcast, right? And just fed in that script to TTS to generate the entire podcast. You could, yeah. yeah it, but we, we, we would need to use, uh, well, that we would need to use one of those. Uh, there, there's online services for this now, by the way, where you can actually feed it recordings of your own voice and you can train an AI on your own voice, right? So at least it will sound like us. Uh, OpenAI doesn't, op doesn't offer this service yet, but, but I forget the name of the company that does it. There is a company online that does it already where they take yeah recordings of your voice and they will create a custom uh audio model that sounds like you so yeah i mean to your point maybe in a in a by by next year we won't even have to be here to actually record the podcast we'll just uh we'll feed we'll feed gpt the previous recordings of the podcast so they kind of know the way that we talk and our style and then we'll just ask it to create a podcast recording using our voice models um and then i don't know what we'll be doing at that point <laughs> anyway we'll see how that goes um all right and then last two updates here are all about customizing gpt4 so uh, i'll let you cover these Cindy. Yep. So what they have done is that uh, they have uh, provided ex experimental access, which means that you, know, you can actually work with them on fine-tuning the GPT-4 model, right? And I think, uh, you know, you were mentioning something about, like, you know, it's, it's expensive to work with uh, engineers at GPT. So what you get is that, you know, you get a dedicated team which works on these custom models, and you would go in, you would work with them to work on these custom models with the proprietary data that is provided to OpenAI to train this custom model, and they will not be used for any other context whatsoever. Uh, it is a very limited program, right, which is obviously expensive as well. You needs to be heavily loaded uh, to, first of all, apply for the program, 
And then, you know, once you get selected, you would actually be working with users inside of GPT to work on these custom models, uh, which, you know, which would have interesting results, right? Like, I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't want you were mentioning about, like, the, the other time you were talking, you were mentioning about how expensive it would be. Would you want to give users some idea about how heavily loaded you need to be to actually sign up for this? Yeah, so this is where uh, people online have reported that you, the when you go in to sign up for the custom models, it does give you a warning that, you know, in order to not waste anybody's time, it tells you right off the bat that the cost will usually start at two to three million dollars, right? And, and again, this is not a service that they're offering for the average enterprise, right? This is a service that they're offering for people that have a use case that really requires um, building a custom model, right? You have a very, very large proprietary data set that you can use, that you think you can use to leverage into some uh, some sort of advantage use case, right? I mean, if you're gonna be investing $3 million just to create the model, it has to be something that you know you're gonna get a return of investment, right? But it is, to your point, it is a white glove service where you'll get a group of open AI researchers and engineers to work directly on your use case. So um, obviously this is not something that will be of much interest to the average person. However, most likely what we, can see from this is larger enterprises that might want to invest on this and the open AI team might learn some things based on these other um, projects and maybe bring some of those learnings back into the general purpose uh, GPT models, right? Yeah, I think the, the, I think one of the use cases that I can think of out of the box is for a large you know, enterprise who is on a transformation journey. They want to do cloud adoption. They want to, you know, implement microservices-based architecture, et cetera. And they want to migrate to SVDBs from a expensive relational DB that they are on as of today, which is where they can go and work with the GPT engineers to generate the entire migration planning, the migration code, the transformation logics, et cetera. Where, because it would anyways, if they were to hire engineers to translate all of this code across, let's say, two to three years life cycle for this entire transformation journey, it would anyways take a lot of money, right? So rather than, you know, giving or, you know, rather than hiring engineers to do all of that work manually, it would just make sense to equip engineers with all of this automated stuff, all of this migration planning that goes in comes from these custom models that would help them with their transformation journey. I think that's a good use case for when an organization, a large scale organization would probably want to use some of these custom models. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, that's just one use case, right? But there might be other use cases there as well. Yes. When, whenever there's something that, you know, a small edge might give you a big return of investment, it could be a good, uh, I mean, as long as you have the capital, obviously, to fund it, right? Because think about it, the, this is really targeting something where you just can't get the same performance or you just can't fulfill the same use case with the existing GPT-4 Turbo now, right? So this is completely retraining a custom GPT. It's not a fine-tuning um, 
project is not a, a RAG, a, a, you know, a, a, a retrieval augmented generation project. We're just going to feed it uh, custom pieces of context and whatnot. It says <clears throat> in, in the blog post from OpenAI, literally says that they are willing to modify every step of the model training process um, as part of this new custom model development uh, service. So that's why, um, you know, it is so expensive as well right keep that in mind but again this is all very interesting very new and uh we'll probably see some of the learnings from these custom model trainings trickle out to the general purpose gpts all right uh, parting thoughts sandeep um where do we go from here what do you think is going to be the next uh, major update from OpenAI from from here uh, i I, I I think one of the things about plugins, so I think the main benefit about using any of these open AI programs is chaining these, like I think you mentioned that, you know, there is an external product that you can use to, you know, deep fake your voice into something that you didn't even set, right? I think chaining, they have, they will probably, you know, work more on chaining of these products together to help with more and more use cases. Yeah. Uh, the orchestration, other is, orchestration of yeah, LLMs. Yeah. yeah, that's the correct word. Orchestration, right? The second is definitely gonna be, they have to do more work in terms of data governance, of, you know, how the data is being used, how, where it is coming from, uh, the privatization of uh, the entire platform so people can be more comfortable when using OpenAI or, or similar products uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, they can feel more comfortable about it and, and, and their data. They, they know that there are guardrails to protect them and, and they would not, uh, you know, uh, and, and they have, uh, I would say, like specific artifacts that meet their compliance requirements, et cetera, uh, to showcase at the end of the day, if you're using something like OpenAI, that is definitely, you know, something that, that would happen. And I think what OpenAI, it was very clear with, with the announcements that they are, targeting more production use cases. So it is no longer a, so I know that there was a time when, when we were talking about OpenAI as a platform or anyone who is doing generative AI or LLMs, they were talking about that this area is completely new. There is, everything is an experiment. Everything is, you know, people are just playing around with it and it's all general use cases. There is no production use case or enterprise use case. I think. They're going to improve the platform where, or they are already improving the platform where it is actually ready for production and enterprises use case. So, so whatever announcements we are going to see uh, coming here next is more to is is more gear going to be geared towards uh, uh, enterprises and and productionizing these use cases around OpenAI. And that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I'm really excited now to see when all these new uh models gpt4 turbo and the improved gpt 3.5 and the assistance api, API. i, I want to see um when when is it coming to azure because i mean we they had uh, satya on the stage and they talked a lot about the partnership so i'm going to assume i'm going out on a limb here that we will be seeing these uh, deployed to azure as well right and that will allow people also people that might have constraints on uh, data sovereignty right where they have to run it out of a specific geography 
they are enabled to do that by using the Azure OpenAI service. And that's just one example, right? But obviously there's a lot of other reasons. Like if you, all your data is already sitting on Azure Blob storage, obviously you want to do your RAG uh, LLM pipeline um, in Azure, right? It doesn't make sense to start moving a bunch of data back and forth with OpenAI instead, right? So very excited to also see when this is going to be coming into Azure. And obviously a big shot to all the competitors, everybody's got to step up, um, you know, Amazon and Anthropic through the Amazon investment, Google, we're all very excited to see what Google is going to come out with now that, um, you know, they, they talked for a while about the new Gemini model. They said they would have some something to preview by the end of this year. I guess we'll wait and see, but it's just going to put a lot of pressure on the rest of the main players in the market. Okay, well, that's it. Uh, for today, folks, once again, thanks for listening. Until next time, thank you, Sandeep, again. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Navigating the Datascape. <laughs>